Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. The murder of Allie Lee Steinfeld. Sunday, September 3rd, 2017. Kabul, Missouri. Warning, the following episode you're about to listen to will contain audio evidence of misgendering. Listening discretion is advised. Fuller under arrest in connection with the death of a transgender teen. 17-year-old Allie Lee Steinfeld, who was born Joseph Matthew Steinfeld, was reported missing on September 14th. Authorities in Missouri say her body was found badly burned in a bag that was left in a chicken coop near a mobile home she was sharing with three of the suspects, 18-year-olds Andrew Baba and Isis Shower and 24-year-old Brianna Caldera. They've all been charged with first-degree murder. Two of the suspects allegedly said Andrew Verba bragged about killing Steinfeld, stabbing her in the genitals, and gouging her eyes out. Reports say all three of them allegedly burned and disposed of the body. A fourth suspect, 25-year-old James Grigsby, is charged with abandonment of a corpse and tampering with evidence for allegedly helping hide the body. None of the suspects are facing hate crime charges, despite objections by LGBTQ advocacy groups. A spokesman for the Human Rights Campaign says Steinfeld is the 21st transgender person to be killed in the U.S. this year. For InsideEdition.com, I'm Nahama Tumano. It's Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, in the town of Kabul, Missouri, just a three-hour drive to St. Louis. It would be where 17-year-old transgender teen and female Allie Lee Steinfeld would be living with her then-partner, 24-year-old cisgender Brianna Caderas. They live in a mobile home park in the town of Kabul. This will be where one of the most horrific and horrendous hateful homicides of this season will be covered. The incident began around September 1st, where Allie had last reported being spoken to and had contact with any of her family and friends. However, due to cell phone evidence and other materials, there has been evidence that Allie was still alive on September 3rd. 
According to the participants in this hateful homicide, that would be then 18-year-old cisgendered male, Andrew Verba, his girlfriend, as well as mother of his then unborn child and cousin to Ali's girlfriend, Brianna, 18-year-old Isis Shower, who also identified as a cisgendered female. All four of these individuals were living in this mobile home in Kabul. And according to Andrew, which we're going to have some audio evidence of in a little bit, welcome my audience. Thank you all for being here um, with me today. And just thank you all for bearing with me during our little mid-season break last Saturday. I'm definitely happy to be back with you all and um, getting into this episode, this mobile home madness um, that occurred again between September 3rd and September 5th of 2017. So, Ali, again, who had just began her gender journey back in May, um, 17, um, just four months shy of her 18th birthday, abruptly disappears. Her mother and father, Amber and Joseph uh, Seinfeld, immediately became concerned. Ali, who, again, who was newly into her gender journey, was still very close with her family. And though she wasn't residing with her family at the time of this hateful homicide, the close contact that she had with them really prompted a sense of urgency and concern. They immediately go over to the home that she shared again with her then girlfriend, who she had just been in a relationship for maybe about a week. Ali had been previously engaged to another cisgender female identifying as a trans lesbian as well as trans pansexual. And so again, Brianna Caderas, who was a um, 24-year-old cisgender female, also uh, a single mother of, of children, had um, would have fit that criteria for Allie in terms of an attraction. So the two had hit it off. Allie, again, was going through this breakup of being um, in a previous relationship, even engaged, and then getting into this relationship with Brianna, who she had known a little bit. Interesting enough, um, when Allie moved into the home of Brianna, again, Brianna was also sharing this home with her cousin Isis, as well as Isis's boyfriend and a friend of Allie's, Andrew Verba. Um, and so again, as we go through this case, it's it's really heartbreaking because the trauma, um, not only physical trauma that Allie went through, but also the emotional trauma that her family still goes through to this day is, um, is really just is saddening for all of us involved. And so of course, um, you know, I'm going to definitely give you all some details. And again, please listen to discretion as advice as they are very graphic. Um, and of course, you all know me. I definitely make sure that the case is covered through and through. So I'm going to have to share those details with you as graphic as they are. So again, just um, be prepared for that in a little bit. But I want to get a little bit more into exactly what happened to Allie on the afternoon of September 3rd, 2017. This was a Sunday. And so according to Andrew Verba, so again, this would have been, you know, a time where him and Allie would have shared the home alone. Brianna would have been at work. Isis was visiting some family. So according to Andrew at this time on September 3rd, that afternoon, um, he and Allie were on the couch in the mobile home when 
abruptly he began to attack her so all of this happens and we're going to go into the details of what that attack looked like but just to kind of give you this this inference of what is happening around September 3rd 2017 so throughout that entire month of September you know you have these series of events you have the last known contact that any family has with her which is on the first Um, one of her really good friends by the name of Ashley um, stated in court evidence that she had last spoken to Allie on September 1st and especially around September 9th which would have been Allie's 18th birthday when no one in the family heard from Allie they immediately knew that something was wrong they immediately knew that this was not like Allie, who they spoke to every day. Um, again, her mother, Amber Steinfeld Boswell, mentioned that she spoke to her child every day. And though that um, she and um, Allie's siblings resided in another town of Missouri, they still spoke. And so, especially when it came to her 18th birthday and no one had spoken to Allie, they knew it was time to report her missing which she was on September 14th. So Allie is then reported missing. And again, Sheriff James Sigmund immediately goes out to the mobile home and questions all involved. And, you know, Andrew Verba, as well as Brianna and Isis all basically want to offer their support and help in identifying and locating Allie. Um, according to Andrew, when, you know, Sheriff James Sigmund goes over to the mobile home, <clears throat> he mentions that he and Allie had a disagreement, um, that Allie left the home that afternoon of September 3rd, and that was the last time that he physically saw Allie. So, again, this is about 11 days after Allie um, has unfortunately been murdered and so the sheriff and the entire you know Texas County team is having to really do thorough search and and backtracking Allie's last steps and they do this with the forensics of getting cell phone evidence and being able to trace where Allie's cell phone is pinging and with that being said they are able to go backwards and realize that everything that they needed to find and everything that they needed to discover would be inside of the mobile home that Allie shared with, again, her girlfriend, Brianna, Brianna's cousin, Isis, as well as Isis's partner and boyfriend and father of her unborn child, Andrew Verba. The body of Allie Lee Steinfeld is discovered, uncovered on September 21st of 2017. And when I say body, I mean charred remains crumbled remains of bones and flesh because when the forensics as well as Sheriff Jane Sigmund finally received word on what happened this this hateful homicide of Allie it breaks everyone's heart it is on September 21st of 2017 when ATO Andrew Verba is brought into the Texas County Sheriff's Department, Sheriff James Sigmund and his team wants to know, where is Allie? Well, Andrew confesses and he ultimately reveals that Allie, um, around September 3rd, 2017, unbeknownst to her, had been given a poison that she refused to drink. 
And when she refused to drink that poison, Andrew then goes and grabs a knife and stabs her multiple times. Then, after she's laying on the couch in the mobile home that he shared this madness that's ensuing, right? He's stabbing her viciously with his butcher knife. She's laying on the couch, bleeding out, trembling, right? She's bleeding, losing blood, cold, trembling from the blood loss. Andrew, who then tells the sheriffs that he couldn't bear to look at her eyes fading, takes the knife and gouges out her eyes. At that point, Allie is dead by the afternoon of September 3rd, 2017. Blood is everywhere in this mobile home. This madness that has ensued, Brianna and Isis have now returned. And in the midst of this, you know, you have them take the body into the back of the mobile home, Allie's body, and then set it on fire. Before the body is set on fire, um, Andrew instructs Brianna and Isis to go to the Walmart that's near the town of Kabul. You can see them on surveillance video buying evidence of, you know, an accelerant, other arson materials to really be able to dispose of Allie's 17-year beautiful body. Again, just, you know, six days, five days shy of her 18th birthday, you know, would have been getting ready to start her senior year of high school when this horrendous, again, hateful homicide had happened. And again, as we go through this case, you know, it's really, you know, important for us to also talk about a demographic of our trans folks that we don't really discuss much. And that is our trans women who are in love with and romance our cis women, right? And this and this term of identifying as trans lesbian. And that is how Ali identified. And it's really important for us to take a look into this because when we think about this hateful homicide and how it correlates to Ali's death, does her gender identity play a role? Well, Detective Jane Sigmund and the rest of the investigative team wanted to know. So they bring in Andrew and Allie and Isis and they question exactly how and why did this occur. And Andrew's version uh, on September 21st of 2017, you know, again, this is about three weeks after the hateful homicide where this mobile home madness occurred. And he ultimately gives this, this tale of, you know, child abuse, sexual assault, and violence that has been placed upon Brianna for this past week. Now her and Allie, who had known each other for a few months, and again, Allie was now living in the mobile home with Brianna, Isis, and Andrew had only been in this relationship with Brianna for again, maybe about a week or so. And Andrew stated that there had been, according to him and Brianna, two instances where Allie had allegedly sexually assaulted Brianna. The first was not in the vision or sight of Andrew. He did not witness the sexual assault, but Brianna did share to him and Isis that probably within a couple of days of dating that Allie had allegedly sexually assaulted her. And then in response to that, threatened Brianna and her children. So basically, Allie sexually assaults Brianna and then states that if Brianna tells anyone that authorities would be, 
you know, called, but then on top of that, children, her children, Brown's children would be harmed. So that was the first time. And this would have been around August 29th of 2017, just thinking about four days before the April homicide. Then going into September 3rd of 2017, that Sunday, is that morning around 9 a.m. in the mobile home. Brianna's getting ready for work. And according to Andrew, Isis is already away and he's like getting up, getting, you know, gonna go play some video games. And he hears like this kind of discomfort tone in Brianna's voice, like where it seems like there's a struggle. He walks to the room that Brianna and Allie shares and according to him, which he tells the detectives that he witnesses Allie on top of Brianna sexually assaulting her. Well, Andrew then states that he tells Allie to get off of Brianna. She does, stating that this is a consensual act between the two. Brianna then continues to get dressed, apparently disheveled, distressed, and leaves the home to go to work. And that is when Andrew Berba decided to go ahead and poison Allie Steinfeld. And when she refused to drink the poison, is when he then stabs her multiple times, gouging out her eyes, stabbing her in the genitals, then placing her in the back of the mobile home, the backyard, burning the body beyond recognition, crushing the bones, and this process happened for several days. And then inside of the chicken coop in the backyard where Brianna, Isis, Andrew, and Allie all shared, the remains were left. And that is where Sheriff James Sigmund and the rest of the Texas County team of Kabul, Missouri located the final remains of 17-year-old transgender female Allie Lee Steinfeld. Wow. You know, this this hateful homicide as we continue to go through it, I mean, it's, it's really heartbreaking my audience because you have, you know, this 17-year-old teenager who again just shy of her 18th birthday described as bubbly and outgoing um she was one of five children of joseph steinfeld and amber steinfeld and again just though she was newly into her gender journey she had made a post on social media around june 13th of 2021 and she states that i am proud to be me i'm proud to be trans i am beautiful I don't care what people think. Again, born September 9th of 1999, grown up in Missouri and then also moved into Florida for a little bit before ultimately relocating to Texas County of Kabul, Missouri, where she lived. Allie also loved the city of St. Louis where she would go and frequent and visit and also go with friends and her mom. And her mom, Amber, also admits that, you know, she was much of a cuddler and loved to spend time with her daughters. So again, you have this family who is just beside themselves. And one of the things that's really heartbreaking too is that, um, you know, Allie's dad, Joseph, you know, will, um, states in, in court interview that he goes to the home that his daughter was last living and Andrew comes out and expresses concern and shakes his hand and gives him a hug and says, Mr. Steinfeld, I'm going to help you find Allie. 
we are going to find Allie together, knowing the whole time that Allie's badly burned and crushed remains were in the backyard in the chicken coop. And so again, as we go through this case, you know, it's just really heartbreaking because, you know, we're going to actually, and my audience, I'm going to play a little bit of Andrew's confession with you all. So you're going to really hear from his own words from September 21st, 2017 of what happened, how this transpired, how this hateful homicide occurred, how this mobile home madness led to this 17-year-old individual being murdered and gone forever. And so again, I want to just take a moment as well and just really start to go through a little bit of Andrew's trial because he was the only one who actually decided to um, have a trial. Everyone else in this hateful homicide, including ISIS, Brianna, as well as a fourth individual, 25-year-old cisgender James Grisby, a friend of Andrew's and Brianna's, um, were all, you know, involved in disposing of the body, especially um, when they came in later and uncovered this hateful homicide. However, though they disposed of the body, evidence does show that they had plotted and planned to do this hateful homicide at least several days before September 3rd. So we know that Brianna, Isis, and particularly Andrew had all been in conversations about what to do with Allie. And of course, you know, Sheriff James Sigmund wanted to know that this have anything to do with Allie's gender identity, her, her beginning her gender journey as a trans woman, and according to Andrew and the others, no, this all had to, to do with and stemmed from this alleged sexual assault, this alleged, you know, threat against um, Brianna's children, against Andrew and Isis and their unborn child. So according to Brianna, Isis and Andrew and even James, you know, Allie was this unhinged, you know, erratic, sexually violent and frustrated teen who was just using Brianna for a place to stay and her body and was, had very, you know, a strong intent to, you know, murder Brianna, her children and pretty much everyone in the home. So Andrew had to commit this hateful homicide. He had to, you know, create this mobile home madness where this blood evidence would be uncovered through the forensics team by the Texas County Forensics Department. They're uncovering um, Allie's blood. They're uncovering evidence of fingerprints, you know, on the evidence, you know, on the murder evidence, the chicken coop. And so all of this is going to be tying into, you know, these individuals being charged and convicted. And so um, ultimately, um, you know, Isa Shower, the mother of Andrew's unborn child at that time, was sentenced to 20 years. She pled guilty to disposing of a body. Um, Allie's partner, Brianna Cateras, Isis's cousin as well, um, was given eight years. And then James Grisby was given four. Again, but Andrew Verbo was the only one who, who allegedly also was the only one who you know, participated in this hateful homicide. He was also the only one who decided to take his chances at trial um, because he strongly, strongly believed that his actions were justified. Though he alleges that he's remorseful, um, he still alleges that his actions were, you know, 
were justified. Um, and so again, I just want to take you all through this trial, just a little bit of it to kind of give you all the, the sense of trauma for the family too, because they have to hear all of this evidence of what was done to Ali Steinfeld. Body man accused of killing a teenager in 2017, and it's back wrapped up today. At least that's why today is wrapped up in that Green County courtroom. Andrew Verma is charged with first degree murder for stabbing his uh, friend, 17 year old Joseph Steinfeld Jr. Bailey Stroll has been covering all three days of this trial so far. He's live tonight outside the courthouse. Bailey, who was on the stand today? Well, today it was a teacher and a counselor from Houston High School, as well as a psychologist and then friends and family of Andrew Verba, who took the stand today for the side of the defense, all saying they had never seen Verba act aggressive or violent leading up to the murder. Now, Verba's former teacher told the court that Verba struggled in school and was in special education programs and scored extremely low on tests, but was otherwise a very quiet and well-behaved student. The clinical psychologist was on the stand for a big majority of the day today, testifying that Verba suffers from several learning disabilities and behavioral disorders, including ADHD and a form of high-functioning autism that affects his decision-making. But the state continues to claim that Verba had the ability to at least consider whether or not he should go through with the murder in the hours leading up to it. Lauren Richardson says uh, Richardson says that in the end, uh, Verba likely thought he was being a hero of some in some ways, saving his fiance and his unborn child from potential harm. I think the and so again you could hear just a little bit of that audio evidence from dr laura keller who again was you know one of the clinical psychologists for andrew verba and was really you know in this um this session that she had with andrew because one of the things that they wanted to also talk about was diminished capacity right was andrew verba in his right mind because again this hateful homicide i mean we've you know we've covered some cases in these past two seasons of like violence and trauma but when we start getting into you know you you're talking about dismemberment you're talking about disfiguring disembowelment all of these things um are so beyond the typical norm of just uh of, of what would even be a, almost kind of defined as a standard homicide right you know and so to go that beyond to really almost eradicate this 17 year old from existence you know you're talking about like removing of the eyes you're talking about removal of the genitals burning the crushing of the bones placed in a chicken coop for the chickens to feed off of and 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 and, and, and produce excrements all of these things um were done in such a way to just really remove Allie from this whole existence. And so I think Dr. Keller really was trying to get into the psyche of Andrew at that time. And so, you know, you have these two attorneys who are going at each other, right? You have the prosecutor, Park Stevens Jr., who is, you know, speaking on behalf of the Steinfeld family, speaking on behalf of Allie, 
right? And then you also have Michael Jacobs, who served as an attorney for ISIS and James and Brianna and Andrew. And so then you also just have Kevin Briggs, who's also an additional attorney for Andrew. So you have all of these key players who are like fighting it out here in the Greene County Judicial Court facility at 1010 Bookville in Missouri. And so this is where all of this is unfolding at this time. And Andrew Ferber's case officially begins on Monday, August 3rd of 2020. This is almost three years after the hateful homicide of Ali Lee Steinfeld. And again, you just see this sense of, you know, sadness and profound confusion and loss for everyone. Also, one of the things to mention is that, you know, Andrew's mother, I see Ozzy Spicer, um, you know, gets in and she testifies as well. She's one of those who speaks and she talks about how her son, you know, this quiet, kind, loving, you know, cisgendered 18-year-old guy at the time, um, though, again, as you heard, has some learning disabilities and things of that nature, never had an aggressive nature, never had um, a violent bone in his body, according until him and his mind was defending his family um, and his unborn child. You know, my audience, we have to really, and I, I want to pose this question to you all too, and please feel free to, you know, share on our Instagram, share um you know, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, please feel free. You know, do you believe that Andrew Verba was of right mind and sound when he committed this hateful homicide or is this all an act? You know, and so that is going to be something that I want you all to think about again as we as we go through this case, um, because it's, it's really, really, really pivotal in, um, in how we do things. And so, again, just now what I want to do is take you all into Andrew's a brief part of his confession. Right. He, he talks for quite a bit, but really kind of that initial conversation that he has with Sheriff Sigmund and the others to give you this sense of like where his mindset was. And again, this would have been when um, they ultimately after the forensics, you know, uh, the mobile home uncovering that Allie's blood was throughout the living room, the couch, um, as well as the backyard. And so they're bringing Andrew in. Um, they're also talking to Isis and Brianna in other rooms at this time. And so Andrew ultimately knows that the jig is up and this is his time to speak in his mind, his version of the truth. Yeah, 
When Sheriff James Sigmund steps out at this time, as you could hear, Andrew Verba is given his version of events, right? You could hear, um, again, it was a little muffled, but just in case, you know, Andrew confesses that he did kill Allie, that Allie was in the midst of initially sexually assaulting Brianna that morning of September 3rd. 
and then Brianna goes to work. And according to Andrew, Allie is still upset about this and continues to threaten Brianna's children, as well as Isis's grandmother and his unborn child. And so when Sheriff Jane Sigmund steps out in this moment, what you see happens here is him getting, you know, more evidence, more communication. He takes his phone with him and you can see that they're continuing to get this evidence to build against Andrew Verbal because they know that's far from the truth. They also know that two other individuals had been involved or at least knew about um, the planned premeditated hateful homicide, which is why Prosecutor Park Stevens charged Andrew Verba with first degree murder. Though he was not charged with um, a hate crime, um, Prosecutor Park Stevens would quote the salon.com stating, I would say murder in the first degree is all that matters. That is a hate crime in itself. So again, um, Andrew Verba definitely, you know, didn't really have much of a logical defense as you could hear the interrogation process. The sheriff states, you know, there should definitely be some kind of logical reason for why you would commit such a heinous and hateful crime and to such the magnitude that it was. And like so many people, um, the victims get blamed. The, the person in this, you know, murderer in this situation blames Allie for her own hateful homicide, for the reason why this mobile home madness occurred that Sunday afternoon. That because Allie was threatening Brianna's kids and his unborn child and their grandmother that, you know, he didn't want to kill Allie, but he had to. It was all in honor of his girlfriend and his girlfriend's cousin and the children. It was all for the children, according to Andrew. Even though evidence would show that text messages of them wanting to poison Allie, of them wanting to get rid of Allie, the fact that Allie had began her gender journey and was so proud of who she was and vocal, the fact that they were uncomfortable with that around their children. So these were things that were really starting to pull back these layers of what led to this hateful homicide. The truth was is that Andrew Verba, though he called himself a friend of Allie's, was not a friend of Allie's. He knew that day, that Sunday, when Allie came home that morning, that she was going to be murdered. Initially, by trying to poison her with a fountain drink. And then when she kind of used her spidey senses and realized, mm, Andrew's never given me a drink before. There's been this weird tension already about how I'm expressing, how feminine I'm becoming, how uncomfortable this is making them, right? And Andrew knew, right, because he has this unborn child that's going to be born, you know, within several months. Do I want Allie and her gender identity exposed around my unborn child, my potential son and her daughter? What is that going to look like? What does that say about me as a cis man living in Kabul, Missouri, right, this rural town? So Andrew knew logically that the best thing for him to do, along with Brianna and Isis, right? Because instead of just putting Allie out of the house and just kicking her out, which would have been the most logical reason for a lot of people, they plot and plan and carry out this hateful homicide 
six days before Allie's 18th birthday. They all knew that her 18th birthday was coming up. Andrew said that he had been a friend of Allie's for a year, meaning that he would have celebrated her 17th birthday with her. All of that went out of the window. All of that went out of the door when he and Brianna and Isis all planned to commit that hateful homicide on Sunday, September 3rd of 2017, and then to go and help Mr. Steinfeld and Mrs. Steinfeld and Allie's siblings and friends who all loved her and all expressed how kind and bubbly and funny she was. You know, Allie, again, just had so much zest for life and was just really figuring out who she was and embraced her transness and embraced the beauty of that gender journey. And what's heartbreaking is, is that we'll never know where Allie could have been. We'll never know what her gender journey would have looked like for her because all of that was stuffed out just six days before her 18th birthday on September 3rd of 2017. You know, and so again, my audience, we just have to continue to really talk about the sense of identity. And what I want to also do, you know, is really, again, raise awareness around our trans lesbians and trans pansexual folks who, because again, this wasn't a case like where it was a cis man who had been involved with Allie, right? And that was a result of her hateful homicide. This was a cis man who identified solely as a platonic friend. She was in a relationship with a cis woman and that cis woman began to state and spread these, you know, these lies and innuendos about Allie and began to really possibly increase, you know, this sense of fear within the roommates, this fear within the friend group, not only because Allie was trans, right? You already, the unknown of that, but then also the stigma of trans folks being sexual predators and sexual violators, that all goes into play here too. This is a very common thing that's thrown in there, right? We're sexualized. So of course, Allie must have been this, you know, sex crazed, you know, trans teen who was just like assaulting Brianna and her children and therefore must have, you know, rightfully deserved this hateful homicide, according to Andrew Berba. And, you know, again, my audience, as we get ready to conclude this case, you know, I just wanted to really, again, give a kudos to my trans women who love women, cis and trans. You continue to rock it. I applaud you and love each and every one of you, our trans lesbians. And and the and the part of this is that I want you all to understand my audience, especially our cis head audience, is understand that gender identity and sexual orientation are two separate things. So though Allie was assigned male at birth and then began her gender journey as a trans female, her sexual orientation was still that of attracted to feminine, cis, and or trans women, therefore making her romantic attraction and or sexual orientation more aligned with lesbian, you know, and or pansexual. And so Allie identified as both proudly and again embraced her transness as a beauty. However, I did want to just kind of give you a little bit of audio evidence from James Grisby, the, the individual who was like, 
lured in kind of laid into the game he did know about the hateful homicide but he wasn't there physically um, at the scene until later isis and brianna would go and pick him up after their um notorious walmart run and they all would then go back to the mobile home and continue to conceal evidence you know burning the body for several days and then of course um, putting the remains in the chicken coop Four people charged in connection with the slang of a Texas County teen who identified as transgender has pleaded guilty and was sentenced yesterday. 25-year-old James Thomas Grigsby pleaded guilty to abandonment of a corpse and was sentenced to four years in prison by a Texas County Circuit judge. Grigsby was accused of assisting three other defendants in the case with disposing of the body of 17-year-old Joseph Steinfeld. Steinfeld went by the name Allie and was planning to transition to becoming a female, according to family members. Authorities allege that he was stabbed to death and the remains were burned. Andrew Verba is charged with first-degree murder in this case. He is due back in court on July 23rd. Andrew Verba would be found guilty of first-degree murder in September of 2020. This is four years after Allie's hateful homicide. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Isis Shower again is serving 20 years in the Missouri County Department of Corrections. Brianna Kuderis, the former partner of Allie Steinfeld, is serving eight years in the Missouri County Department, excuse me, Missouri Department of Corrections, as well as James Grisby serving four years. And so to you, Allie Lee Steinfeld, we remember you yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever and always, born September 9th, 1999, and resting on since September 3rd, 2017. Again, my audience, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of A Hateful Homicide. My name is Mallory Jenner Robinson, your host. You can follow us on Instagram at A Hateful Homicide. You can follow me at Mallory Jenner 90. Please also, you know, tune in on Spotify, Apple, and other podcast platforms alike. And also, I have a special treat for y'all. Another episode is going to be coming up after this since we had our mid-season break last week with the next episode. First, do no harm. The hateful homicide of Tyra Hunter starts now. Again, thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your day.